On the last episode, the boy is our first priority. The mother second. After they are secured, we can deal with your problem. He flicks on the taser again, which sends out a white light that flickers and illuminates the cave. Lead them out. Lead them out. Lead them out. Trust me, if I could have gotten out of here, man, I could have been an actor. <laughs> I really think I could have made Alistair, it, you know? like, he's, he's, like, looking very directly towards the camp, and just, like, when Bernie says that, he just... Just there's like a, a slight break in his stare. He's like, wait, what? Winston, is this your kind of base? Is this your... No, I'm a nomad, my man. All right. I think you've misjudged the dimensions of the, of the cave. <laughs> this kind of looks at the hole like, so can you fit through this? Yes. Could you please come through there? <laughs> yes. Social media presence has been a really important thing. We're not the only chapter of uh, Children of the Tide, by the way. The two creatures unhinge their jaws the same way Chief Lester did and you hear that terrible, familiar rattling, choking shriek Welcome listeners to Dark Tides a weekly improvised audio drama series that uses role-playing game mechanics I'm your host, show creator and narrator, Aubrey Lydon Before we get started this session, I would like to issue a a gentle content warning (laughs) There we go, I took a bite of a spicy biscuit Uh, If anyone couldn't tell, this is our second episode for this session. Hey, how you doing? Yes, it is. So yes, a general content warning, as our show pretty regularly includes uh, supernatural horror, violence, and a lot of good content that is, you know, not suitable for everyone. So bear that in mind. It's a Uh, bit spicy, just like Chester's Biscuit. Yeah, with me as always is the ever spicy uh, Chester Lidden and the ever salty (laughs) BJ Ingay. How you doing? Uh, hello, my name's BJ. I play Alistair Stern, a 19-year-old emo with no friends and no job security. Alice, 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 Alice works as a night watchman doing some jobs for his father, the mayor, while in secret pursuing his true calling as an amateur cryptozo- cryptozoologist and detective of the supernatural. And I'm I'm here. And it's not just me and Aubrey. It's What's Chester as well. What's a cryptozoologist? I can't remember. I, right. I did look it up. Um, I think study that was of a supernatural word. animals. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like... It's a legitimate word, yeah. but it's not a legitimate profession. Yeah. Okay. Hello. These my name taxes. Is, excuse <laughs> me. It's my earnest time. Hello, everybody. My name is Chester Lynn and I play Ernest Marsh. As opposed to someone else's earnest time. Yeah, it's my earnest time. Um, a lifelong Boy Scout and nature enthusiast who has been given a chance <clears throat> to fulfill his lifelong dream of becoming a park ranger. This dream has led him to the Hook Bar Archipelago. Mine's much more... Like smaller than BJ's. Succinct out now. Succinct. Mm. Yes. So, do we have any fun facts for this? I week? have a fun fact for BJ you. Aubrey. Always has a fun so fact. I, I have... just seem to like base my fun fact as like the opposite of BJ's. <laughs> I'm trying to work that out now. Chester never thinks of his own. Never think of mine. It's because I, I like plan ahead and think of things, and then Chester goes off off what I what I come up with. Um, provided what I come up with is good, which mm. listeners, I'll let you be the judge of that. So I have a, I have a little bit no, of No, I'll be the judge of that. No. <laughs> All right. I feel so encouraged to be part of this podcast <laughs> right now. Uh, I have a bit of a meta fun fact for you mm. this week. Um, Alistair, he is a fan of podcasts. He listens to podcasts. Uh, particularly, he likes true crime and unsolved mystery podcasts, which is, you know, as to be expected, uh, you know, he listens to a few different shows. Um, however, he also fact-checks a lot of these shows that he listens to. 
which he inevitably very often finds out that the things that's being represented in the in the show isn't necessarily accurate of the actual data. And so he very often will write into these podcasts to correct them for all the things oh, they've the, done oh, wrong. No, yeah, he's one of those people. This has got him um, very. Uh, he he's been banned on a few uh, forum websites and things. Um, so he had to resort to direct emails, which a lot of these podcasts replied to for a little while. Um, <laughs> they don't reply anymore. What about you, Chester? What's your prepared in advance? thing that you've been thinking about all day and you just can't wait to share it on this podcast what's your fun fact so Ernest doesn't listen to podcasts <laughs> doesn't he listened, know what they are he listened to one episode of the Joe Rogan podcast and was put off them yep. permanently uh, he didn't like he didn't like it see what happened there for anyone he just who wasn't... thinks they're all interviewee things with celebrities and he's just he doesn't know any celebrities he doesn't know like he likes Elon Musk that's why he listened to that one episode. Uh, but okay. other than that, yeah. He doesn't care about celebrities. So. See, what happened there, I don't know if you noticed at home, but Chester took my fun fact and reversed it. <laughs> well, if people don't know, though, is actually I record mine first. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> anyway, Aubrey, what's your fun fact? Give us a recommendation. Yeah, give play us a recommendation, to, Aubrey. Get us to play Hollow Knight. We got you. I haven't we, played Hollow Knight yet. Guess to uh, read. Um, what's a book? What's a book we should all read? Guess read Salem's Lot. No, I don't like uh, Stephen King. Chester's uh, enforcing his will upon Aubrey. <laughs> no, I don't like Stephen King because Stephen King is a hack. No, <laughs> Chester is. This is my fun fact. Chester is adamant that Stephen King writes every single one of his seventy-something books himself and does not use ghost writers in any way, shape, or form. Nope. I, on the other hand, have done zero research and am still <laughs> convinced that no one can write four novels a year. All right. So, um, to all those ghostwriters of Stephen King out there listening to this podcast, I hey, don't like you and I don't respect you. Yep. Good. All you right. can stop listening to our podcast now. That's the end. And whatever you do, don't support us on Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com no, slash would really, dark times. That would really Do not do that. That would really you know, rub salt in the wound of my ego if you were to support me doing what I love. <laughs> Yeah, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? And if anyone out there has supported us on Patreon... Thank you. Thank you. We thank, thank very much. much appreciate it. Thank, we're not going to say your name because we're going to stop embarrassing you, mm -hmm. but thank you. You know who but you are. But you know who you are. You know exactly who you are. And just are. in case you've forgotten... Moving on to before this intro turns into a 13-minute oh spiel. All right. <laughs> Open back in Shink Cove, where we see a large rental four-wheel drive is parked alongside Bernie's police patrol vehicle. We follow the street up past little cottages. A cat runs across the road in this abandoned town. We find the little cottage where Wilbur, the missing boy, had been hiding. We see a man and a woman, the same who arrived on the ferry only hours ago, uh, are expertly searching this hideaway. They are overturning beds, opening cupboards. They're searching for hidden compartments. They find the slightly concealed cellar in which was once concealed 
a laptop in a towel. Uh, they f- begin to track outside. They pick up Alistair's trail. As they walk, still in the pattering rain, the man with the large mutton chops leans in and speaks to his companion. Do you think they have the boy, Mum? She holds her head high with perfect posture as she replies, No, they would have returned to the car. They must be on the trail, which means we're close. She quickens her pace. No time to lose. They continue on, heading for the sawmill. Meanwhile, deep in Hon Caves, Ernest and Ranger Brett are confronted with the sight of two figures, uh, a man and a woman, which... uh, Can Ernest roll for me? Eight. Uh, You are quite certain that both of these people's faces were on missing persons posters when you arrived. Mm -hmm. Um, They are familiar to you for this reason, but they are dripping black ichor goo from their eyes and mouth and nose, and they give a rattling shriek as they stand over the bodies, unconscious bodies, of Randy and Nancy. Ernest does process things. He does think about things, even if they aren't enjoyable, he does consider them. And he thinks back to the situation with the chief and kind of processes the situation there. He thinks of the fact that the bear spray didn't work. Alistair using force didn't work. And so he begins to consider his uh, his options. He rolls his shoulder back, letting the uh, one of the rings of the the backpack slide off and he spins it around to be on his front and loops his arm through it so the backpack is now on his front he unzips it like a papoose yes i believe that is the technical term considering it in two ways firstly as just so he can get into it but also as having something protecting him in some fashion Mm -hmm. and he reaches into it and he pulls out a short length of rope and a flare Mm-hmm. And he pulls it out and immediately ties the end of the rope to the flare and knots it. And he's going to shout out and say, Move away from them! Okay. He's going to try and communicate with it. They move forwards, but keep themselves close. They kind of crouch slightly, bending their knees, preparing themselves uh, to launch forwards. But they are more protective of the bodies and they are attacking you. Ernest flings the the rope up and cracks it down, making the flare hit the ground and it ignites and he begins to spin the rope next to him, creating this wall, this spinning circle of light, of blazing light with smoke emanating from it and he walks forwards using it like a shield in front of him, spinning it, saying, move away from them alright as you do that uh, Brett is in the back of the ring uh, that's really not how you're supposed to use those um, um, um. Uh, meanwhile the two figures uh, they back up but as they back up each of them grabs uh, one of your unconscious companions by the arm or the leg and they start moving back into the water with them Ernest takes a leap forward and like strikes down with the flare like on their arms as at any pike end using it like a whip mostly trying to use the fire like 
the heat and light of it to do more of the damage. He's like striking them with it. All right, yeah, you have to give me a roll for that because that's not normal self-defense. Because the last this is time, a little bit different. The last time one of us started spinning a, a flaming ten. object, okay. it went so well. <laughs> well, I just got 10, so <laughs> it's going better. <laughs> Right, you do manage to whip one of them kind of in the shoulder and the chest. Uh, roll a D4 for me. Four. Right, yep, you strike one and it kind of hisses and gurgles at you as it flinches back uh, and continues dragging Randy into the water. Ernest shouts out, Brett, grab them! <laughs> type of thing. Brett and is hopping from foot to foot, wringing his hands like, um, but they're still uh, being held. Um, um, okay, okay. And he kind of darts forward, gets within arm's reach of the creatures, and then runs back. <laughs> One of them is going to drop Nancy, and this is the, the woman. She lunges forward. She's going to try and grab you, Ernest. Mm -hmm. uh, she darts forward, uh, successfully dodging your spinning rope, and she's going to roll to attack to see if she can get you. That's a six, so a mixed result. No, yeah, you basically are knocked to the ground. She isn't able to hurt you. You kind of feel the fingers claw at the the um, the backpack. Meanwhile, Brett... Brett kind of screws up enough courage. He darts in as this creature moves back and grabs a Nancy and starts trying to haul her away out of the water. Uh, you can see that both of these are still unconscious. They're kind of floating, but... There's this black gunk that's all over their faces and necks, and Brett is like trying to wash it off as he goes. Yep, Ernest is going to pull himself out of the water and still kind of start spinning the flare, which still hasn't gone out. Uh, it's like splashes in the water and ignites the air under there, and is going to try and kick out while the monster's still trying to get up to try and push it into the water. That is a seven. Okay, um, still a mixed result, technically. So Ernest kind of pulls himself up out of the water, kind of uh, starting to get up and just kicks out into its chest and like pushes it forwards, still kind of trying to spin the the uh, kind of spinning fireball, basically. You manage to kick them, push them back. They flop back into the water. It's trying to scrabble to get to their feet. This gurgling, rattling hiss. Meanwhile, the other creature is dragged Randy a decent way out. Um, and it sort of seems unsure of what it's going to do, whether it should try to defend its companion or whether it should try to retrieve um, Nancy, and it's going to roll to decide what it does. Um, all right, it leaves Randy floating, and it's going to rush back, and it's going to try to um, attack you, but that'll be on its next turn. That's kind of one movement as is. Okay. Ernest is going to roll as like and jump out of the water and he is going to switch on his taser and like stab it into the water okay oh. now um, they are both in the river and brett's out of it all right they both rolled a two in trying to avoid that um so roll a d4 for me they will corporately take this and the stunning damage so you'll have advantage on what you do next when they're it's four all right, so Brett has managed to pull uh, Nancy a fair way out of the water so she isn't going to get zapped. Randy, however, is... But he's far off in the distance, though. It's not going to travel that far. It's a, ta it's a taser. It's not a... I he's going to get tased! It's not a power know, like, uh, He's getting tased! BJ roll for Randy's ability yes. to not get tased while <laughs> unconscious. 
12. He rolled a natural 12. This is, he has been tased so many times that he is <laughs> practically immune. Mostly because he accidentally tases himself every time he uses his taser. Which is why Nancy, like, told him not to use his taser. was for his own safety. <laughs> he holds his fingers too far up. So he zaps yeah, his yeah, fingers. Yeah. Or, like, he'll drop it and stab it into his leg or something. So he is fine. Right, Randy is floating in the water, face up, thankfully. Um, Nancy is out of the water. Brett is trying to trying to clear her airways and get her conscious again. These two creatures have kind of been shocked. They writhe and drag themselves out of the water. They are disorientated and gurgling at you, uh, and they are going to try and pin you down with disadvantage because you have stunned them essentially. Uh, five and a two. Okay. So. Uh, both of them kind of lunge for you. They scrabble in the dirt. They can't quite grab a hold of you. They kind of scrape your your shins and try to grab hold of your clothing, but you keep moving away, slipping out of them. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> uh, natural 12, Nancy wakes up. Yes! She just bolts straight yes! up and slaps, uh, slaps Brett full in the face. Like, not like a slap across the cheek, like palm, flat f- fist, to the face, just smacks oh, him on his back. Oh, we have a chance! <laughs> and she, she goes, <laughs> oh. she's, she's spitting and uh, oh, going, Ugh. she's trying to spit this black stuff out of her and wiping it out of her face. Roll damage for Brett. <laughs> yeah, it's a three. <laughs> Brett's got a bleeding nose. Alright, since we're doing doing this, can uh, you roll for Randy, please, BJ? Yeah, sure. Let's see if he regains consciousness. That <laughs> one. No, the taser put him back to sleep. Ah. Alright, that's uh, the reason it didn't it didn't damage him. Alright, back to the creature's turn. Uh, that's a three for the first one, and a twelve for the second. Alright, the first one lunges for you. It basically you basically sidestep and it slides in the stones. The next one has taken its time to kind of pin you down, it launches. It uh, takes you around the waist. It slams you to the ground. You take a D4 damage. I will roll the damage thing. Oh, okay. One. <laughs> Almost nothing. And it pins your arms. The The flare is not far from your head. And you see the red light illuminated in this, this man's face as it just reflects off all of the dark goo that is seeping out of it. And it opens its jaws, unhinge, and it this rattling, gurgling breath uh, as you see these kind of tendrils of black ichor start to descend towards your face. As this happens, Ernest, kind of feeling the heat and light of the flare next to him, reaches back, grabs it, and jams it into the creature's mouth. All right, roll for me. That's a two. I miss. <laughs> you, all right, you, are, you do that perfectly. That's a failure, not a disaster. Just to though, the so. left. You are scrabbling with your hand, one free hand, backwards trying to reach. The flare is just out of reach. Your fingertips brush it. It rolls and moves and you can't quite get a grab on it. And then your mind begins to flash backwards to uh, the shape-shifting creature, to knowing you're not alone in this cramped, cragging room, but not knowing what is breathing next to you. You shift back again to a weird vision of um, Herb Cush possessed by his own electrical equipment and further back to gnomes and then back to Blue Gull Wreck. Every one of these terrible experiences you've had in the last week or so are come crashing down on you 
uh, one after another after another. And then suddenly you feel an impact as Nancy kicks this creature on top of you onto its side. She kicks it clean off you with an 11, uh, grabs the flare that you were reaching for and does exactly what you were planning and jams it into the mouth of this thing. Meanwhile, she's saying, oh my gosh, 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 yeah. And she jams into his face. The thing screams and writhes as it tries to pull away from Nancy, but she's holding it down, trying to force this burning flare into its face, basically. <laughs> and she she's still kind of spitting up um, black stuff, and she goes, "Get someone get Randy, please. Can we roll for Randy again to wake yep. up? We'll just do it kind of periodically. That's an eight. So he wakes up. All right. Randy regains consciousness. He's floating on his back. And to Randy, this is like a dream he's pretty sure he's had before. He's just floating peacefully on a river. Everything feels right with the world. He's just, he's he's wondering what how he got here. He's completely oblivious to everything going on, but he is conscious now. Uh, all right. Brett is wading into the water trying to get to Randy. Uh, Gina, sorry, uh, Nancy has got this one creature pinned, the other one is still free, and it's going to come for Ernest. Ernest kind of does like the half running, but still like on the ground type of thing. So kicking himself up, getting up, building up momentum, vomits in the process, thinking about all the stuff. So vomits on the floor and just runs shoulder ways into the creature and just like bangs it into the wall and then falls back onto the ground as it like crumples near the wall. Roll for me. That's a natural 12. All right, yeah, you slam, you body slam this woman into the wall uh, and you drop as she does. It's a four. Again, I rolled four. This is like, what's that? It's like 12 damage. It's a four damage man. All right, yeah, you you body slam it and it wheezes and gurgles and it's going to try to attack you. Um, It basically slashes at you with its fingers. It's trying to get a grip on you to get its face close to you, but it basically just leaves... uh, scrapes in your arms which will be uh only a d1 sorry a one one point of damage Ernest like grabs her by the shoulder and reaches into his pack and pulls out uh like the last flare he has and just like hits it almost punching the 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 stone wall to ignite it and tries to do what Gina has done as well and jam it into the face just trying to burn off the black stuff all right uh yeah roll for for that weird advantage because you just knocked the thing to the ground. Well, it's a natural 12. All right, well, that's fine. You can't really get home. Down to four. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, you you do exactly as you said. Um, and so still kind of pinging it as well. Yeah, you burn it. It doesn't seem to kill it. It's definitely hurting it. It doesn't like it. It's trying to get away from you. It isn't killing it by any means. Well, I'm trying to burn off the black stuff. Yeah, it's not burning off. It seems like the Ica is trying to get away like like it's trying to push itself away from the fire as much as possible and it's squalling and shrieking as it does so trying to get away from the heat and the burning nancy is going to uh she reaches the the flare dies on her in her hand and she realizing that she probably has a second for this thing kind of recovers somewhat she throws it bodily like away and she's going to run to you and try and pull you uh, back into the water where uh, let's see for Brett <laughs> where Brett has managed to get to Randy 
Now, I'm going to roll to see if Randy wants to be rescued, given that he is completely oblivious to all of this. Uh, it's a six, which is a mixed result. Brad's going, uh, uh, oh, Randy. Uh, <laughs> Randy, uh, Randy, please wake up. Randy. Randy in in shock is going to punch Brett in the face. <laughs> all right, make a, make, are you using self-defense? Or are you just going to use an no, attack roll? No, it's, right, it's just like just a reaction. Roll. A seven, which is a mixed result as well. All right, well, he got a natural one trying to avoid, so you just hit him and roll the d4. <laughs> Oh, Chester's taken my D4. Can you roll it for me? Oh, sure. Sorry. That's a one. So he does one damage and then looks at Brett and he's like, Brett, I know you. How you doing? Brett is now, like, bleeding copiously from the nose. It's now <laughs> probably broken. He's going... What did I try to help? What I miss? What I miss? And he's, <laughs> he's now realised where he is and is, is like, oh. Yep. All right. Um, Do you need help? <laughs> And Randy is gonna try and help Brett. All right, you are. You are actually. I'm gonna get you both to make a roll. Uh-huh. <laughs> a nine for Randy. You are doing a better job than Brett, but Brett is starting to get taken by the tide of water. It's starting to pull him down towards uh, wherever this water is funneling into another cave. You basically are managing to keep him from being flowed, but as he's trying to kind of kick with his feet and hold his broken nose with one hand he is struggling uh meanwhile nancy has basically grabbed Ernest around the waist and is trying to like fireman lift charge into the water after the others and she's going not today not today i'm not doing this no 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 ray's gonna call it uh, there's a there's quite a it's quite a draft quite a pull quite a tide quite a quite a suction out of this cave just saying just saying go with the flow boy, randy go with the flow right you got it <laughs> um and he immediately turns around and pushes Brett under the water. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not not deliberately to hurt him, but just to, like, push him towards... But he doesn't think about the fact that he should just push him, like, along and not down and along. Yeah. All right. Um, so as you were doing this, <laughs> Ernest, you were kind of slung over uh, Nancy's sh- shoulder, uh, and you see... Is there anything you would like to do while she's doing this? Um, Ernest would like to look back and see what the, the black things are doing. All right, the, the one... Oozes. The the male... Ivan Ooze. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the male one who Nancy had kind of been pinning down uh, is back on its feet and it's standing on the shoreline. The second one has managed, has managed to pull the still-flaming flare from its mouth um, and they're both sort of gathering themselves together in this light, but they don't seem to be chasing you. They're kind of at the water's edge watching you go. I'm going to start kind of like saying to Nancy, uh, 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 they were trying to take you guys along here. This this might not be the best place to go. She goes, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. And she's going to hurl you towards Randy and Brett uh, into the water. Can Randy roll to catch you? If you want to. A five. All right. He basically knocks you. You you catch him, but you were both just kind of knocked under the water. Okay, I was going to try and shove him under the water too, right. so that's fine. <laughs> Very quickly, the t- the uh, the rush of water begins to take you, and everyone is going to have to make a roll to see uh, how well they manage being swept along by this current. That's another natural twelve. Randy rolled an eight, so he's he's floating pretty happily. Ernest, you are. Straight away, uh, your mind just flashes back to being eight years old um, at swim camp 
and you are treading water like a champ. You've got your you've got your floaties on. You've got the little kickboard in front of you, and you're weird just, like blowing bubbles thing. And, going, <laughs> and you you are just channeling that energy of your eight year old self. You are doing you are doing exactly that. You have your arms out, like like T post. You are treading water and you are blowing bubbles, and you have swept <laughs> along. Swimming everyone. Uh, Randy, you are taking mouthfuls of water and, and s- flailing, but keeping yourself, your head above water. Yeah, salty. <laughs> uh, Nancy has a hand on both of your uh, the collars as she is treading water too. She's keeping herself above water a bit better than Randy, but not as not as focused or as well as Ernest. Uh, meanwhile, Brett rolled very poorly. Oh, no! Brett, <laughs> Brett is lost to you. Brett is swept away. Uh, you can't. You don't know where oh, he is. Oh no! The whole point of this mission. <laughs> we'll find him dead at the end, drowned because of Randy. Oh no! Um, you are swept along. At points, this you basically go off a drop. You drop meters down into water. I feel like Randy, like, when he pushed him under the water, he grabbed the back of his jacket, and he still has hold of the jacket, so he is certain that he's got hold of Brett, and it's not until he gets out of the water later that he realises he's only holding the jacket. All right. Yeah, so the, the, the current is whisking you along. All you can hear is rushing water. You're trying to keep it out of your face and your lungs as you're shunted one way or another. It's now totally dark. The flares are gone. You are down into deeper tunnels. At points, uh, you were hit in the head by rock as the ceiling and this river meet. Uh, you are pushed under the water. At times, you have to hold your breath, but you are moving fast, gaining momentum. Uh, at times, you think you are probably being shunted. You hit rock, you snag on the corners of jagged stones, and eventually, mercifully, you see light, and you are basically washed up onto rocks on the shore. Nancy pulls herself together. Uh, She's trying to haul both of you. Even though you are okay, she is instinctively trying to haul you to higher ground. It's alright. I've got Brett. Don't worry. I've got him. You look down. There is no Brett. He was was right there. I swear. And he holds up the jacket. He was right there. Alright. You... (laughs) Uh, You basically clamber to your feet. You are bruised to hell all of you, I'm not going to make you roll damage, but you are severely knocked around, you are exhausted. You have been through this hellish tunnel maze and then an underground river and you have been vomited up onto uh, the headland, onto the, the shore, rather. You are basically on a tidal pool area of rock uh, where the breakers kind of meet. You are below, maybe a couple of hundred metres or so below the entrance to Hon Caves back up on the headland. As you look around, um, there are bits of driftwood here. There's stuff that obviously gets washed through the cave system and ends up down here. Uh, And you see lying maybe 20 metres away uh, in a puddle, face down, is Brett. (laughs) (laughs) Randy instinctively sees Brett and immediately starts sprinting towards him. Like, don't worry, Brett. I've got you. I've got you, Brett. I've got you. All right, you grab him, you roll him over. He is absolutely unconscious. He is bleeding from the face. He has head wounds where the rocks have hit him. Uh, he is not breathing at the moment. Randy, my, my Randy. one responsibility. <laughs> my one responsibility. Uh, so Randy does not know CPR. 
And so he starts slapping Brett right. to try and get him to just like in the face, like, wake up, wake up, wake up. That does nothing. <laughs> You're just slapping an unconscious, very hurt man. <laughs> Ernest like sprints over and kind of slides in the stones and um, and sand and like sh- like gently moves Randy to the side. Right, and you take it from here. And uh, investigates the situation of Brett using his first aid. This is not. This is kind of a bit beyond normal first aid, but roll with advantage because you are using your first aid. It's a three and a seven. All right. Um, you start performing CPR, chest compressions. Uh, the tune of staying alive is somewhere in the back of your head trying to keep you Randy's- on time. Keep him alive. Keep him alive. Ernest is fighting off the urge to throw up again. Keep him alive. As he's doing this. Alive. All right. So because it was a mixed result, I have rolled for Brett. If it was a natural 12, he would completely, you know, come back to you. If it was a 1, he would die, essentially, was my, my theory. He's got a 10. So what happens is you... Chest compressions, he starts spitting water, you roll him over and he is vomiting uh, river water, essentially. A whole fish. <laughs> um, <laughs> a crab rolls out of his mouth. No. Uh, he looks at you blearily, one eye is closed, uh, the other is slightly open, he's garbling, trying to speak, but still throwing up water. He is alive, but not full conscious. You you basically have a moment, a complete sigh of relief as you realise that he is alive and he is probably going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Nancy has booked it back up the headland to get the car. <laughs> Ernest is going to kind of lean over and mustering up the last kind of strength he has, hook his arms underneath Brett's uh, arms and lift him up and start dragging him, hoping that Randy will grab his legs towards yeah, Randy, uh, Randy an area where the car can drive down to. As you're walking up, Randy's saying, I told you we'd get him. I told you we'd get him out. I, I told you in the car this will be the best mission you've ever been on. I told you we'd get him. I told you he'd be safe. Huh. Just another another normal Tuesday on the force, am I right? He he thinks about holding up his hand for a high five and then realises that he's holding one of Brett's legs <laughs> and so thinks better of it. We return to the sawmill that has been repurposed as the refuge for the children of the tide. We find uh, Bernie and Alistair in a little room where they've been they've been set up. They've been given some dry clothes, some food. Alistair has found a PowerPoint to charge his phone. Bernie is um, sitting on the side of a bed and he's cleaning down his gun and he's taking it to pieces and he's sort of saying to himself, I should have intervened. I probably um, got to remember that you're police and uh, you've got a job to do. Oh boy, I'm uncomfortable with this situation. Alistair, what are you doing? Alistair has completely refused to put on the dry clothes that they've given him. Okay. <laughs> he's wearing his own clothes and he's got a little pile of dirt around him. Okay. Um, I'm going to roll. So he's looking at the floor and he's kind of like playing, like he's playing with his hand in a fist. Like his, his hands are very tight. His knuckles are white and he's like just clearly very tense. And he's just looking at the ground and he's not really listening to what, what Bernie's saying. Tense? What? <laughs> when did that happen? 
it completely different to what he was like when he was talking to Gilly in the, mm-hmm. the big building. All right. What is going through Alistair's head? He is currently struggling with the feeling of just complete hatred towards the people who have set up this camp. His mind flashes back to the conversation he had with Gil, and all he can think is, here is a man who has the power to understand in some capacity and communicate with the forces that are at work on the island, and he's taken that power and he's run away and created a little village for a few people and he's using his power just to try and save those people and live in fear away from everybody else not mention it to anyone and that makes him so angry that this man has the power to do that and is doing in Alistair's eyes nothing with it what Gil said in the in in that conversation about you know the end is coming and the children of the tide will be protected but everybody else that makes Alistair like impossibly mad Mm -hmm. that he's somehow reserving the right to select these people to be saved and using his powers to essentially doom everybody else Um, and all Alistair can think is he doesn't know why they need Wilbur he doesn't know what Wilbur means but he has to get Wilbur out of here and he has to do it quickly because he doesn't know what's going to happen, but it can't be good. And he is very mad at these people. I rolled to see if he was going to punch a wall. <laughs> okay. And he, he does not. He manages to hold it in. All right. Bring, bring. Is that? Okay. I think that's uh, Alistair getting a phone call. No, I, think so. I think that's uh, Brett. Brett. Okay. Um, there is a buzzing sound and Brett, it's kind of, Looks around and goes, oh, oh. And he starts going through the pile of wet clothes uh, and he finds his mobile phone uh, and he answers it. Hey, Brett, we've, uh, we've got some uh, reporters here. Do you, uh, do you have my jacket? I can't find my jacket. Brett, who's that? Is that, is that Ernest? Shh, is that Ernest? Shh, shh. Brett is holding a fi- uh, hand up and he's like, uh, uh, Chief, uh, I, I, your jacket? Um, I asked oh, you to boy, clean uh, it. Yes, no, yes, yes. I picked I picked your jacket up from the, the dry cleaners. It should be uh, in your office. I put it on the back of the door. No, I didn't look there. I'll have a look. Uh, okay, sir. No, it's there. That's there. Nice. Cool. All right. Uh, uh, sorry, you, you said reporters? Oh, uh, yeah, you know about the uh, the whole uh, yeah, situation on the uh, yeah the uh, shipwreck place. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, face yes. the police. So, um, so could, just... Gotta make it look ju- good. Just... Uh, so while I've got you on the line, um, we we think we have found the the missing boy, uh, uh, the Perez boy, and I think mm-hmm. I've uh, I think I've messed this up a little bit. Um, some people they seem to think they have him, and I hadn't told them to give him to me. Um, so I don't I I'm I, I don't know what to do. Bernie, Bernie, I look at him. It's okay. We're gonna get this child back. You tell your chief. We'll get him back. It's okay. Listen, Bernard. Uh, so, <sighs> sorry, the reporter's still here. Ah, uh, Bernard. Hey, it's Bernie. Bernie Todd. <laughs> I've been working with you for six years, sir. Bernie. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, yes. We all make mistakes, Bernie. 
Some worse than others. Yes, I know. So you you have told me that before. Yes, yes. On a scale of one to ten, you know, if you consider losing my jacket a one, what would you consider a ten? Uh, uh, maybe that time that uh, Randy in the six car pile up. I would consider that the ten also. <laughs> All right. Uh, g- good to know we're on the, the same page, sir. But you see, but yep. Yeah. You see, all those things can be made right. See, I have my jacket. Wonderful. Now, whatever you've done, you, you can do that right as well. You can uh, you can get in there, you can get the kid out, uh, Wilbus, you can get Wilbus out. It'll be beautiful. It'll, uh, it'll put us on the map. Yes, but sir. Uh, anything that you've done wrong, you always have at least a few chances to uh, either fix it or to apologise for it. <laughs> I've done a lot of apologising on account for that 16-car pileup. A lot. You wonder why the budget for the police is so low. That might be a result. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, yeah, I understand. There was a lot of people in that. Now, I doubt whatever you've done is as bad as that. <laughs> no, you're right, sir. I'll, I'll, I'll handle it. I'll... I'll um I'll get it sorted. You police, goddammit! Yes, you'll, sir. Yes, you'll sir. You'll handle it. Yeah, yes, sir. All right, I gotta go talk to them. All right, bye. Uh, okay. He hangs up. When he when he puts the phone down, Alistair stands up and walks over to the other side of the room and like stands above, uh, above Bernie. And so is that your chief? He kind of nods his head, and then as you are like formulating what you're going to say, he stands like bolt upright and he's doing this sort of he's got both fists clenched. Um, out in front of him, and it, it's absolutely a, a Deku moment. He's the <laughs> he's the stereotypical anime protagonist who's just been inspired by a mentor. He's like, he's right. We're gonna fix this situation. We're gonna get the boy. We're gonna get him home. We're gonna do this like police, goddammit. it! And he like starts going out the door. So uh, Alistair was dreading the fact that he was realizing he was gonna have to give Bernie a pep talk, and just <laughs> smiles. And he, like, puts his hand on his shoulder as he's walking out to, like, stop him. All right, and he goes, turns around and goes, yep, yep, what? Bernie. Yes. We are getting this kid out. Yes. yes. We are breaking him out. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that, would be, that would be breaking the law. As a police officer, that is not, not how this, this works. No, no, I... Bernie. Uh, Ali, Ali, Ali. I Ali. slap him. All right, roll for that. <laughs> Again! <laughs> Roll! Is it to see how effective my slap is? Yes. Five. All right, it's, it's, a little, it's a little soft. It's more sound than impact. Yeah, I'm just trying like, to hurt him. Alistair, again, you know, you got to be careful. Technically, that was assault. Bernie, listen to me. What? There is a child being held captive in this camp. Yes, I'm aware. The police procedure would be to... I don't know what the police procedure is, <laughs> all right? I don't know. But do it properly or whatever. Whatever your chief told you to do, that's fine. Bernie, we don't have time for this. At the very least, this child and his mother's life is on the line. At the very least. And by the sounds of what that nut job said, there is a whole lot more on the line than just this kid's life. Apparently, he's some some conduit for some power. I don't know, okay? We both know there's something going on in this island more than can be explained these people clearly know more about it than we do and i have a feeling if they let this child be given to whatever power they 
bow down to or whatever, it's not going to be good. Okay? And we have to break him out before that happens. We have to get him home back to his mother where it's safe. And we don't have time for whatever red tape your chief thinks that you need to jump through. Okay? The most important thing is that we get him home and we get him safe. Okay? He, we're going to do this, but we're going to do it the right way and we're going to do it quickly. Uh, he's the kind of right he's, way. He's <laughs> nodding, but at the right way, he, he starts yeah. shaking his head and he goes, uh, uh, Look, Alistair, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, needs must when the devil drives and all that. But uh, just to let you know that uh, whatever this subterfuge you have planned, that is not the right way. The right way is police procedure. I, I, I get what you're saying and we will do things fast. I'll be honest. Yep, there's a kid's life on the line. And as friendly as they seem to be, uh, this is a tricky situation. And honestly, I'm... All right. Look, I'm go I've got a I've got an idea. I'm going to go. I'm going to go case some stuff. I'm going to sort some stuff out. You figure out. Um, I don't know where he is, how to get him out. I'll figure out uh, the rest. And he he takes his okay. his phone and his uh, gun in pieces and his his police vest and he he heads out the door. Okay. Okay. What do you want to do? Uh, I just step out the door, like not to follow him, just to step out. I'm like, all right, you talk to them. You do what you can. But if this doesn't work, okay. We're breaking him out of here somehow. Yeah. And I will do it whether you're helping me or not. Um, are you saying this now in the open? Because you stepped out the door. You are say, you can say it to him as he's leaving. Yeah, like He's wearing a flannel shirt now and jeans and he kind of swings the, the police vest over one shoulder and he looks like a character from Longmire or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a modern cowboy type thing. As soon as he's gone into like a, a country sawmill, he's just adapted <laughs> to the environment. Yeah, it's pretty much what he is already. He wants to be a cowboy. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, he kind of tips, it kind of like salutes you and goes, sure thing. Bernie, how much time do you need? We'll meet back here in what, two hours? An hour? Two hours sounds good. Okay. Yep. Uh, after this conversation has finished, uh, Maybe Alistair, should, maybe Alistair should roll to see if he notices anything. Oh no, okay. Alright. Nat 12. Okay, you notice that there is... That Winston is staring through the window at you like cheek pressed up against it. From the outside? From the outside. Okay, um... Alistair's gonna see him. He's gonna walk over to the window. He's gonna open the window and like make like a, a gesture as in like put your head in the window I've got something to tell you Winston looks at the air and says no I don't trust you and kind of like backs out a little bit put about a metre's distance and puts his hands on his hips alright uh, Alistair like crouches down and he's trying not to make too much noise he's like Winston okay Winston that is my name Shh. Winston Shh. With an... what's the letter I haven't said yet could you keep it Mr. Winston Wither, can you B. just keep it down a little bit? Now, of course. You and I, I apologise. We got off on the wrong foot. I kind of tried to attack you with a spanner. I'm sorry. I, I feel was... like you were just threatening me then also. I was very scared. I, I wasn't threatening you. I want to talk to you. <laughs> I climb out the window. <laughs> okay. Um, Winston, like, puts a finger to his lips like he's telling you to shush and, like, squats down and says, So you're not outside? <laughs> well, on the back... Like, so I'm imagining if there's a wall or a fence or anything, we're at the fence. All right, you're behind thing. the building. Yeah, okay. behind the building. So Winston, like, goes down to, like, a squat thing and, like, with his fingers to his Alistair lips. rolls his eyes and he's like, okay, yeah, so all right, what a good idea, good idea. 
we'll be quiet so they can't hear what Precisely. we're saying. Right. Now, okay. listen here, fancy boy. Abs- I'm listening. None of you ever asked me really about my dream. <laughs> None of you asked me about... I, I did try. Oh, well, I wasn't in the mood. Tell you what. How about you tell me now? That you are, I'm assuming you're, you're in the mood to talk about what happened? Oh, I'm always in the mood. Just, just I just wasn't then for you. I didn't like you. I don't realize yet, but you know. Okay, yeah, Needs great. must when the devil uh-huh. drives, like your sure. friend said. Whatever that means. Okay, yep. Uh-huh. I don't know what driving dream. is. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of scootering. But um, anyway. Is it a scoot scoot? He like, <laughs> uh, gets very close to the side of your face and says, Yep. I'm not overly fond of Mr. Butterscotch's uh, methods at the moment. Kicking me out. What an act. I'm an elderly man. An elderly man is sending me out to the cold darkness where the beast lurks, waiting for me to die. Mm. So, you're going to break the boy out. Yes, I'm so glad you were listening to that conversation. <laughs> listen, man, I listen to everything. I bring it all in. It's like a big straw. That's me. I think you're... Slurping up the goss. I think your Sir Butterscotch is an overly entitled coward who has no idea what he's doing. And I think it would be best for everyone if we could get the boy as far away from here as possible. Now, I'm assuming you've you've indicated you don't like him either. Well, I'm really glad in all your wisdom you're able to make judgments on what everyone else needs in their life. <laughs> <laughs> Alistair just looks at you very confused. Anyway, onwards and upwards. Any Right, okay. So will you Alright. As you as you just had this confrontation, there is an audible snort from behind you. Um and she as soon as she snorts, she ducks down, but uh Gertrude is in the room. You were in listening through the the open window, but couldn't help laughing. Ah, uh, yes, very, very good daughter. Come on, come on over. We're having a big chat. She I, is- <laughs> I move over to make room for her in, like, the little circle. All right, yeah, she she rolled poorly. She's convinced she, she slips out the window, and she's not looking at Alistair at all. She sits next to her dad. Alistair's going to be like, okay. So, uh... Gertrude, um, so I have I have this friend, all right, and he's really good with not being mean to people, and I'm trying to learn from him a bit. Mm, I'm loving the goss, and it's not going amazing. Yeah, no kidding. But mm. what I'm trying to say is, will you help me bust this kid out of this place? Oh, very direct. She, um, roll for me. And also, I'm kind of sorry I spoke to you like that. It got a two. She goes, um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I think I will. And, um, she, she kind of makes eye contact with you and then looks down and you see that, um, her hand is on her knee and she's doing the, the little circle gesture thing that means she gets one free punch. Winston point. Ha! Got him! Uh, and she punches you in the nose. <laughs> Alright, how much damage does that do? Three. Okay. Uh, so she where's my, where's my sheet? smacks where's you my sheet? straight Chester, in the give nose. Me my pen. Give me oh, my pen, sorry. Chester. Give me my, he takes it. He takes my D4. He takes my pen. <laughs> Goodness me. She smacks you straight in the nose. 
and you hear a crunch. It isn't broken, but it starts uh, bleeding. And she goes, uh, yeah, that's for being an ass. Um, but <sighs> Alistair, like, he's instinctively fists tense up and he, like, goes halfway into, like, a defense pose and then he, like, relaxes and breathes and he's like, yep. Hey, That's boy, fair. take this. And he hands you the most... <laughs> he punches me in the nose. No. <laughs> he hands you the most horrendous-looking handkerchief you have ever seen in your entire life. It is every colour imaginable, but was once one day a singular colour. <laughs> <laughs> it has been patched with denim for some reason. <laughs> like someone used some jeans to patch the handkerchief, not and the other like way the around. Pocket. <laughs> so it has a pocket in it? <laughs> a little pocket eye. It's been used to mop up everything and anything imaginable. It's crunchy <laughs> it's like in a solid shape and it's like here boy mop your brow with this um alistair reaches into a pocket of his jeans and he pulls out a pink handkerchief with ice vovo's biscuits printed on it and he like waves us like yeah thank, thanks I, it just I got, got a little own. secret as well and he lift, goes, puts his fingers into the little like dollar pocket and pulls out fishbone <laughs> Just in case. Now, anyway, my boy, and kind of pats you both on the shoulders. In my dream, the basically long and short of it, nothing good happens when the boy gets sacrificed. Okay, nothing, nothing too good. They were sacrificing him. Yeah. Yes, G- uh, Gertrude is looking at you too. Is uh, that what, are you? They were okay, kill I am. Him? In, I am insane. But how dumb I? Yes, yes. I mean. I assume nothing good, but I didn't think it was going to be... I, I didn't think they were going to kill him. I G- thought No, they, they don't they kill him. To. Gil said presenting. Like yeah. Every, look, Dad, do you not remember this? They did this to me. She she looks at us like, whenever anyone joins the group, they're presented to Mother. That's the way they do it. It's like a ceremony where you are What exactly given is to- Mother? If, if you've done the ceremony, you would know what it is, right? Look, Mother is not... You're it's asking the big questions explain. here, boy. Look, I know it's okay. I, the lo- the long and short of it is something does actually happen to Gil. Something real happens to him. He sees stuff that's real. I don't doubt. Anyway, it. anyway, whatever that thing is that like talks through him, it puts a seal on us, like a mark. And she she um starts unbuttoning her shirt. She's wearing a denim, like a denim shirt thing mm-hmm. and she shows you like just above the collarbone just below the collarbone um there is a strange it looks like a birthmark it doesn't look like a brand or a tattoo or anything like that mm-hmm. and it's basically three wavy lines that kind of curl into a spiral uh together and she goes it puts a mark on us it it's hard to explain i don't think it's like a real creature that could eat a person, it's more like a a spirit or an energy or a something. But whatever it is, it is real and it does actually do things. But I... Gil, and then he looks at Winston, so butterscotch, sorry. Good, yes. He said that the boy Wilbur has some kind of power or something. Did you have that as well or is that... No. So maybe this is... This is a different thing because of the boy, then. And I look over at Winston. He kind of, like, crosses his fingers, like, 
the boy is incredibly important in all of this. You don't even like. There's there's a lot to consider. But no. So just to just to make a connect in your brain over there, he's happy to kill the boy in front of two two with like does the bunny ears police officers because he knows that it will cause something rather major enough to no longer require him to worry about what police think. Okay? And this okay. boy is most definitely everything he presumes the boy to be. She, uh, Gertrude puts an arm on you and she says, um, look, I know dad can be a lot, but if Gil's visions are true, dad's are true too. If harder to understand. I nod and I, like, kind of put my hand out. It's like, don't touch me. No, not not to her. Just like there's a lot of like as a gesture, shoulder yeah, touching. Yeah, we've in been show. doing that a lot. And I like. I'm assuming most people don't believe your dad because of his, how he is. He stopped taking his meds. I fully believe that he's telling the truth, and I agree. I think we need to not let these people have this boy in their custody. Even apart from all that stuff, just the fact that he needs to get home and to his mother. Is his mother here? Do you know? Do you know where he is? Do you know where they're keeping him? She kind of puzzles on that. She goes, I don't know anything about his mum. All I know is that they found him in the woods this morning, early, early this morning. He was running from something. Okay. I think those things. Look, they brought him in. Things, what things? The beasts. Right. No, okay. Dad, different. Nope. nope. Okay. Nope. Well, there is only one beast. We did. We saw a creature. I, I saw it through the window. Look, I don't know about any of the beast stuff. That's something Dad talks about a lot that doesn't make any sense. But no, I mean those... The people. The things that look like people but aren't people. The things with the, the black stuff. Ah. Oh. The lost. Like... Yeah, that's what... That's what Gil calls them, the lost. That's what I... St- I called them that first. Look, Dad, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. He, he took, he, false prophet. The people that used it's, to it's be okay. people. It's okay. False prophet. Okay. Gosh, Dad, you're so annoying. So, you're annoying. Mm. Can you imagine... Are you saying... <laughs> what it's like to be raised with this? No wonder Mum left. <laughs> oh, oh your uh, mother. Your, yours left too, did she? No, she's dead. Oh, uh... Sorry. It's okay. It's not a sensitive subject. Okay. That was a very long time ago. Wait, you're telling me she didn't leave? (laughs) Oh, Dad. I looked at her and I was like, are you saying there's more people like the chief? Uh, Chief. Uh, Chief Lester. Chief. Uh, The chief of the... I don't have time to explain. Are you saying there's more like him? Uh, Yes. There's... if, If it is the same thing that I am talking about, then yes, there is... I don't know how many... At least a handful, probably many more. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gil says they're like cockroaches. You see one, it means that there's 20. Anyway, um, I don't know if that's what he was running from. I was here when he arrived. That's how I knew to bring you here. They were getting him cleaned up and finding him clothed, and he was talking about being chased and something with a black mouth. Anyway, I'm pretty sure 
they haven't let him stay with all the other people like where we put you. He's somewhere inside the meeting hall, probably there's a basement level that they use for storage stuff. If he's a prisoner, he's probably in there. Okay. But okay. That's my best guess. Look, I believe all this stuff is real. Don't get me wrong, but I don't trust Gil and... I'm not sure that I trust everyone else here. Look, you might have been right. I don't know your life and everything you've had to deal with, but I've grown up here with these people, and I know a lot of them are really good people and really kind and sweet, but I also know that weird stuff happens and things that shouldn't happen. And look, regardless, this boy should be with his family. So if you're going to get him out, I'll help you get him out. But I think we need to move fast. Winston stands up and says, The boy is hidden below. I shall call out Sir Butterscotch. He will come and speak to me. That will give you time. And he kind of starts like mincing his way out and back around the, the cabins. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, wait. Winston, no, hold on. We need to wait for... I'm assuming he's gone. He's gone. All right. Oh, we need to wait for Bernie. Okay. Yep. All right. Um. Okay. Do we? I guess we just get the. Will you? Will you help me get the boy? I mean, I can do it on my own, but I'll help. I understand that this is. I mean, you live here, Look, but the. There is another way out. There is a back gate, right at the back of the compound. It heads into the woods, and then it would loop around. You can't go through the front gate. You'd have to literally go through everyone. My thinking is if Dad and maybe your friend or whatever, we can cause a big enough diversion at the front, we can get the boy out that way. Okay. Gil said that your power here runs off generators. Are they near the front gate? Because if we can disrupt those, yeah, the... that should cause... Plus, with if your dad is speaking to Gil... And keeping him aside, if we destroy the generators or something, that might cause enough of a diversion to get the kid out and escape. Yeah, I, that would work, I guess. All right, so you have formulated something of a plan. You start moving back around the building, kind of following the way Winston is going. Winston is a man on a mission. He is completely not listening to you. <laughs> As you see him kind of crossing the main courtyard towards uh, the the meeting hall, you see uh, Bernie jogging up from the opposite direction. He kind of catches your eye and uh, moves in. I wave him over. He's uh, still following. He kind of falls into step with you and he, he whispers quietly to you. He's like, right, um, there seems to be... Uh, maybe half a dozen people inside uh, the main hall. They're hanging around the back. My thinking is that they are on watch or guard or something. Okay. The people are on the front gate. Most of the people are towards the front of the whole compound generally. My thinking is if we can cause a diversion, a ruckus, something or other, and then we need to get him out. I think over the fence. Honestly, that then becomes... Bernie. Yes. Bernie, um, yes. Uh, I've been talking to... Gertrude, she said that there's actually a back door. So if we can get oh, people perfect. away from the back, we can just get out that way. It'll be easy. Now, Winston is going to talk to Gil. He's going to keep him busy. We need to get into the basement and find the boy and get him out. And then one of us, I'm happy to do it unless you want to. I know breaking stuff and causing problems isn't with your police code. So I'm happy to do that. And then if you take her and the boy out the back, I'll meet you that way. 
Yep. Okay. I'll I'll keep an eye on Winston. I'll try and keep them occupied. Give you guys as much time. When you get to the back gate, you give me a call. I have my phone on me. That's where things are going to get tricky because as soon as they realize that the boy is gone and that we are gone, they know these woods better than us and we are still on foot. I've radioed in for some help, but I don't know if they're going to get here in time. Okay. All right. We we good to go? We're good to go. All right. Just before you break, you hear an explosion. And <laughs> what has he done? So while you were talking about that, Winston went behind someone's house and searched around and found a half-used gas bottle. <laughs> and he took it over into like the main open kind of common room area, uh, like the open, almost open field type of thing, before the main type of station that uh, Gil is in, and placed it in the fire there and stood in front of it waiting for it to go off. And eventually it exploded. And after it explodes, he yells out, Gil! And the fire seems to almost, in like tongues and strands, almost churn around him in a way. And you kind of, for anyone watching, you do get this feeling of power that they've only seen from Gil type of thing. In this decrepit old man, just this flames and almost air moving around him as he calls out. And in that moment, this old man that they've seen just pottering around the village, like the deserted town outside, just milling around in the trash, seems more royal and kingly than anything they've seen before. All right, yeah, people scream when it goes off. People are shouting, running. Uh, very quickly, Gil emerges from the, the main meeting hall flanked by half a dozen of the robed guys which seem to be the robed people seem to be the sort of leaders the council yeah they're kind of his underlings and he's striding towards winston he's going sorry what is going on we we will leave that and we'll follow um alistair and gertrude as she uh takes you by the hand and leads you along the length of the corridor to a back door just a normal sort of entrance door uh, she opens peeks her head inside and then leads you through so Gertrude is that do you have like a nickname like is that can we shorten that to anything it's very long and old fashioned uh, I like it the way it is thank you Gertrude got, got it. it yep <laughs> problem you are standing in the back corner of the um, the meeting hall this is where a lot of the machinery and stuff has kind of been hauled to get it out of the way and it's yeah it's kind of a junkyard of rusted decaying metal and stuff and she begins um picking her way through making her way to the back and you can see that even with the explosion there is uh, a couple of of robed figures two women and a man standing by the door still they are peering they've kind of moved away a little bit they're peering towards the front where the explosion went off so how close are they to the door? About three metres. And facing away from it? Facing away from it, but they are facing diagonally away from you. If you were to start moving in, they would see you. Yeah, okay. So they they know you, right? They know who you are. Do you think there's any way you could convince them to let the child out? Maybe say that Gil needs them because obviously something's gone wrong, and so maybe he's fast-tracking the ceremony. Maybe try that. 
just because they know you? I don't know that they would fast track something. I might be able to convince them if Gil's in trouble to come help me, but I don't think I could get them to get the boy out. That's okay. If you can drag them away, I can I can get in. All right. She she says you look stay low. Uh, I'll I'll see what I can do. Worst case scenario, I'll I'll cause another distraction, I just and nod. you can slip in. All right. You stay low. She slips out and kind of goes the long way around to make it look like she's coming from the front entrance and she picks up into a jog and then into a run and then into a sprint and dashes in front of them yelling and she's yelling please I need help cousin Gil come on he's in danger we need to go right now someone's hurt the explosion it's really 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 bad come on come on she's grabbing the arm of one of the women and dragging her with them All right, two of them rush off and one stays behind near the door. Um, They have followed a little ways and now with a good stealth roll, you could get around them. Otherwise, you're going to have to do something. Well, I do have sneaking as a ability. Yeah, that means you can use it. So can I just do that? In this instance, yes. Okay, I'll just write that down. You are not seen, so you, you have not been seen, so you can go into stealth. Okay. Okay, so that's minus three vitality. I'm going to sneak up to the door and see if I can open it. Um, you make a little bit of noise, but the guard has not noticed. Uh, they rolled very poorly. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So you you begin to head down. These are uh, concrete steps down into a basement level. Just one question: how how wide is the passage compared to the door? Like, is About there the same? So there's no space behind the door when it's open. There's a little bit, yeah. Okay. Just, just a yep. little. Um, right, you, you head down these steps and down into a corridor. There are a couple of rooms here. They have faded, rusted signs. One says boiler room, one says something else. Uh, and there is only one room with a light underneath the door in this kind of hallway. Okay. I'm going to crouch down so my head's a little bit closer to the gap under the door, so hopefully if there's somebody inside, they can hear me a little bit better. I'm going to whisper in kind of a medium voice, like, Wilbur. Wilbur, are you, are you in there? It's okay, I'm here to help you. Wilbur, hello. You hear shuffling, um, like the rustle of of blanket, and you hear a voice goes, Hello? Hi. Uh, Who are you? My name's Alistair. I'm, I've been looking for you. Uh, I, I, was, I was sent by the police. I've, I've, come to, I've come to find you. And uh, if it's okay with you, I'm going to help you get out of here. Do you but, want to get out of here? Yes. Okay. But do you know where my mum is? I don't. But if we get out of here, I will help you look for her. Okay. Can you open the door? Oh, actually, I, I'll just ask you, is there a lock on the door or can I just open it? Uh, no, there's no lock on the door. Okay. I say, I'm going to open the door now. Is that okay? It's okay. I open the door slowly and carefully and kind of hold my finger to my mouth. It's like, just be quiet. Okay. Um, You see the room is kind of made up as a bedroom. There's a bed. It's comfortable. There's a carpet on the floor and a chair. There's some kids' toys that are being brought down but obviously haven't been used. You can see where Wilbur's sort of taken all the blankets from the bed and made them into a cocoon on the floor. Okay. (laughs) And he is standing in front of you. He is about... 
eight or nine. He's about waist height on you. He's a little boy with sort of olivey skin and dark hair, a big kind of mop of curly hair. Mm -hmm. And he's looking up at you and he is very uncertain. (laughs) I gently hold my hand out. I'm like, hey, Wilbur, um, my name's Alistair. I am the son of the mayor of Port Staples. And I've been sent with Officer Bernie from the police to come and find you and get you out of here. Um, if you if you can help me, I'll get you out of here. We'll find your mother. It's going to be okay, but I need your help. Do you trust me? And I hold my hand out. <laughs> I can't see what that was from here. I'm very it was a 12. Yes. He kind of nods quietly and puts his hand in yours. Yes. Okay. 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 Now, I'm going to take you outside. There's a guard outside the door. So we need to be very quiet. Okay? Do you understand? Yeah. Can you do that for me? Yes. Okay. When we get outside, it's going to be very loud. There's going to be lots of things going on. It's going to be very scary. I need you to trust me and do exactly what I say. Okay? Okay. I have some friends outside. They're going to help you. They're going to take you out through the back door and we're going to escape and we're going to be gone before they even know we're missing. But I need you to trust me and do exactly as I say. Okay. Okay. And I start leading him out of the passageway towards the door. Okay. Uh, Night has fallen. The rain has stopped now and the ground is kind of muddy slush. There are the chirp of birds returned, um, the murmur of people. Alistair, as you make your way quietly and quickly up the stairs and peek around the corner of the door, um, you see the one guard still on duty, still craning their neck to try and see what is going on, and you hear utter bedlam coming from the front of this hall. There are shouting, there's people screaming, uh, not in terror, but like in panic. And as you get up, close to the door as if to step out you see a figure dart from the shadows not far from you and body slam this guard they like rush grab lift not slam that. down into the ground and as they turn and roll this person groans and is coughing completely winded um, the person moves and grabs you by the wrists and starts dragging you and Wilbur towards the door. Uh, and what you realise is this is Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bernie! Yes! Um, he pulls you through the I'm, side I door. I immediately start saying, it's okay, Wilbur. This is one of my friends. This is Bernie. Bernie, say hi to Wilbur. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Bernie is just moving. And as he, he pulls you through the door you came through with Gertrude and out into the night, uh, he goes, right, uh, quick notation. Plan A is not going to work. You turn, and because you're quite at the back of the um, the compound, now you turn, and as uh, Bernie turns on his flashlight and shows you, about 100 metres away at the fence line, you can see half a dozen figures standing at the fence. You can see dark eyes and black dripping mouths at the fence line as they are trying to, to shake the fence from its foundations. <laughs> okay. While that's all going on, the the fire is still kind of licking and spinning around Winston. And you see that when you when it's a really hot day and you see 
on like along a, a road you see that type of shimmering thing that seems to be shimmering out from him and this kind of force is kind of keeping everyone at distance and he kind of like, shows his hands up like showing the fence and all that type of stuff and says Gil you are a false prophet lying to everyone here you discredit my name all of this a lie to control and destroy the fire like the sparks exploding out and spinning around the rain from before seems to almost lift off the grass around lift off a few feet and then kind of spin around as well and go into the fire and turn into steam as Winston points directly at Gil saying you do not speak for the mother you can barely control the mother yet you act like you are some type of leader here and he kind of brandishes his arm at the gates it's like the forces of darkness are at your gates yet what are you doing to stop them killing a child and telling everyone it will do any good as this is going on Bernie is leading both of you and Wilbur um, closer to this commotion. You can see he's making a beeline for the front gate. Okay. Um, and as he does so, his radio is crackling and he is um, rummaging. He's, he's got his, his rifle under one arm. He's <laughs> rummaging for his, his walkie-talkie, trying to get it free. Meanwhile, um, Gil has stepped into the circle of kind of fire and mayhem and noise that Winston is kicking up. And he says, Look, Mr. Wither, I can respect a fellow seer. I can respect someone who understands the vision, but I cannot respect the way that you carry it out. You think I use Mother that I am supposed to control? No, we are controlled by Mother. Mother is in all of us, and how dare you defy her will. And he does a similar thing to you. He spreads his arms, still wearing the apron that says, <laughs> I've got green thumbs. This is just like now the epic anime fight at the end of the arc. Like, yeah, this, <laughs> is, this is basically like two wizards facing off, <laughs> and the fire that was kind of moving around you encompasses him, and it's more like you are now both in the centre of this sort of eye of twisting flame uh, and people are kind of gasping and moving back and you can see Gertrude is anxiously waiting on the edge of all this sort of commotion and he says Mother has had enough of you. You were sent away as a mercy. Now you come back, well no more. Winston like stamps his foot down and an eruption of sparks kind of leap out from the fire and continue to encircle them. And he says, Mother is in all of us? Then how come only you can dole it out as punishment? <laughs> he, he does it. He's a little bit shaken. He kind of, he goes, You can make all the accusations you want to make. You respect that... me, yet you cast me out. And he stamps again and the, the water once again rises up and turns into steam amongst everything else. He, he seethes at this and goes, Like I said, sometimes mercy is a mistake. Your time has come, Mr. Wither, and this is enough. 
he uh, claps his hands. Like, from, from spread out, he claps them. And uh, the fire dies out from around you. Now, Alistair, roll for me. Alistair got a seven. All right, mixed result. Um, as the fire dies, basically the air is filled with embers that kind of drift down. Alistair, as you are still, you are moving past this scene. No one is paying attention to you guys whatsoever. Yep. As you do so, you feel a chill uh, run down your spine. And just for a moment, you see a very tall, hunched figure standing right behind Winston. And you see feathers and you see the glint of eyes and of talons as this creature hulks behind him. No one else seems to see it. Winston says to himself more quietly, but still loud enough for everyone to hear, let's see the murderer's work at hand then. And then looks up at Gertrude and kind of whispers, I'll see you soon. Several things happen instantaneously at this point. Gil, who has brought his hands together in a clap, now pushes them out. He fans his fingers, thumb to thumb, for uh, index finger to index finger, the others fanned out. And a ripple of power. There is no lightning, there's no energy. There is just sheer power, like wind pressure, uh, pushes out and seems to hit Winston. At the same time, Gertrude gives a scream and dashes like a sprinter from the blocks as fast as she can towards her dad. She's trying to intercept him, uh, trying to get to him first. Now, Alistair, only you see what happens next. As this force is projected towards Winston, this tall, dark figure spreads its wings and they, the windspan is like that of a small aeroplane. And then it closes them around Winston. And all of a sudden, everything speeds up. Winston is gone. There is just dust and smoke and the echoing clap of sound like lightning. Uh, Gertrude falls into the mud where Winston was, clawing at the ground, trying to find any trace of her father. Gil seems shaken because this is not what he was expecting to happen, but he plays it <laughs> off. He says, You see, children of the tide, mother provides. When the heretics come and the false prophets preach, mother will unveil them. Now, at the same time, many things happening at once. Bernie, like pulls you forward by the arm. He reaches down and picks Wilbur up, um, holding him kind of on his hip with one arm around him because you see what's coming. There are headlights coming across the bridge at speed. There is a shout from the men at the gate as a forward drive careens into the gate and smashes them open. The gate is flattened as this large police SUV skids in the mud um, drifts in <laughs> and stops. You see the window is down and you can see Nancy in the driving seat. <laughs> the, as, as it slides to a stop, the back door opens and Ernest is frantically waving for you guys to get in. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on, let's go! All right, as you get to the car, you're not even in the car when you hear the roar of another engine. 
and barreling across the bridge again comes oh, no. a set of headlights. Um, and this time they put on the brakes, they screech to a halt in the gateway and you see uh, a black rental SUV and the lights are on high beam, uh, blinding all of you. Out steps the two strangers from the port, the man and the woman. They are standing silhouetted in this bright light. You guys make it find it hard to make out. And you can hear Gil shouting, just absolute nonsense raving about <laughs> intruders and untrustworthy people and the reckoning and all this stuff. And you see from the back seat emerges another figure and you see a middle-aged woman with a bob cut and dark circles under her eyes and she pushes past the woman in the grey in the navy raincoat and she pushes past uh, the police car and she finds Bernie who is still holding Wilbur and Wilbur instantly pushes away drops to the ground into the mud and runs to this woman she scoops him up into her arms and at this point the children of the tide begin closing in around you the guys who you knocked down their gate they are roughly trying to intervene with um the two professionals as they were referred to <laughs> you see that one of them approaches uh the the little man with the mutton chops as this guy as this children of the tide, who's much bigger is getting up in his face and like yelling about the gate the man just kind of a hand shoots out, grabs him by the collar, pulls him in and, and just headbutts him. Dr <laughs> drops him like like a rag doll. And the other one starts backing up and the man says absolutely nothing. <laughs> and then in a loud, clear voice, the woman in the raincoat says, Maria, it's time to go. Take the boy. Uh, and she starts rushing back. Bernie is half following, half unsure of what to do until... Nancy getting out of the car grabs him and goes, it's okay, we've got a plan. Just just get in, please, please get in. Uh, he obeys, he gets in the back with Ernest. Uh, what is Ernest doing? Ernest is still in the process of bandaging the many, many, many wounds he has. <laughs> the many cuts and and scrapes and kind of like he's like half looking out the window at the woman and child as he's r rolling one like around his forehead type of thing which has a massive bloody bruise from colliding with the wall looks over Bernie hey man looks back <laughs> the two strangers the professionals uh, get back into their car smoothly and with great efficiency uh, Maria, the mother of Wilbur, uh, tucks him into the back seat. The children of the tide are very confused. A couple are rushing forward. Uh, Gil is still shouting in kind of a fit, uh, and he is he is striding forwards towards the cars as well, roundly cursing all of you. Uh, Gertrude is still kneeling in the mud where her father was, and... The rest of you are piling into the car. Does Alice want to do anything? Before he gets into the car, he's going to, like, kind of turn and address the, <laughs> the people who are confused to know what to do. Children of the Tide, or whatever you call yourselves, I don't care. Your leader 
is a fool and a coward if he thinks he gets to decide who lives and who is saved and who doesn't. No, that's not how life works, okay? You're all important, but that man is a messed up fool if he thinks he gets to decide that. As you say this, uh, Ernest is like trying to coax you into the car. Ernest is like grabbing you around. Yeah, Ernest is like grabbing you around the waist and like pulling you in. And Nancy is revving the engine. (laughs) Um, You are pulled into the car. The children are looking. Some are talking amongst themselves. Others are shouting. Someone throws a stone at the at the car, and then another hits uh, a window. Doesn't break it. The black SUV uh, with Wilbur and his mother inside reverses at speed back across the um, across the bridge and uh, starts heading up the hill. And Nancy follows very promptly. As you look back through the rear window, you can see these people crowded at the gate, the destroyed gate um, of their little sanctuary. As you wind up into the hills again, heading back to Port Staples. Well, it's alright. Riding around in the breeze. Well, it's alright. If you live the life you please, well, it's alright. Doing the best you can. Well, it's alright. As long as you lend a hand. Dark Tides is Chess Lydon as Ernest Marsh, BJ Ingate as Alistair Stern, and me, Aubrey Lydon, as your host and narrator. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Suggest the show to a friend. Tell them not to start at this episode, but to go back to the beginning. It's probably the best way. Um, if you're interested, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash darktides. We have a heap of bonus content, uh, an after-show chat with the cast where we play... Uh, weird drama games and other such things we have a heap of bonus episodes and side quests you can also check out our social media we are on twitter at dark tides pod we are on facebook at dark tides pod and reddit at r slash dark tides until we see you next week with a brand new arc and hopefully some well-rested characters uh, we will see you next time so stay safe out there bye-bye Somewhere down the road when somebody plays at the end of the line, the purple haze.